Good morning, good morning. Breakfast today is sponsored in honor of Rabbi Meir Friedman on his birthday, uh, and donated by the Kahal. Hazaku Aruch Rabbi, for all your Devre Torah, for all of your, uh, uh, your teaching and your encouragement of people in the community. It's an honor for us to have you with us. Um, thank you so much, Hazaku Baruch. There's a very interesting uh, uh, teaching from our rabbis, which I'd like to uh, start off with. And you know when you're learning for many years and all of a sudden you realize something and, uh, and you see something from a very different point of view, yeah? I, I had that this, with, this, uh, with this Dvar Torah. The Pasuk says, Yaakov, we know, is sending all sorts of gifts to Esav to try and placate him, to try and get him to calm down and not to be angry. So he's sending him all different animals. He's sending him, uh, you know, his, from the cattle, from the sheep, the goats, etc. He's sending him the servants and the workers that he's got. He keeps sending him all these wonderful gifts. But he says as follows, And he took that which was in his hand. He sent to him, He sent to him a, uh, a present to Esav. Now, that's a very interesting expression that which was found in his hand. Um, what does it mean? So I'll read you the words of the Yalkut Ruveni. The Yalkut says, Nesher shalachlo. What did he send him? Min habbabi ado, that which was in his hand, that, that which came to his hand. Nesher shalachlo, he sent him an eagle. Now this actually, interestingly enough, I spoke about this last year on Shabbat. I don't expect everybody to remember everything I say always. Uh, even though my ego probably does, but I don't. Right? And uh, what's it called? And I remember there's a whole machloket, actually, if nesher, which is always translated as eagle, if nesher actually means eagle, or if it's a certain type of vulture. Why? Because nesher in chazal is always this bird that flies higher than all other birds. Okay? And an eagle, even though it flies high, it doesn't fly the highest. The bird that flies the highest is a certain kind a vulture, and that is actually a nesher. So I think that kind of ruins like the beautiful imagery that we have in our minds of kanesher. You know, uh, we, you know, uh, you, we, we, uh, whether you're Arik Einstein singing, you know, uf gozal, right? When you, think, <laughs> you know, think kanesher b'shamayim. Were you thinking kanesher yair chino? Like it says in the words of Chazal that um, God, Hakadosh Baruch protects the Jewish people like an eagle, where he puts. The, uh, the, his young on his back, and God says, Mutav shi kanes bi. Better that the arrow should enter into me. Why? All other birds that don't fly high, they can be attacked from the top and from below. Okay? So where do they hold their young? They hold their young in their hands. Okay? That's where they hold their young. Why do they hold their young in their hands? Since they can be attacked from above and they can be attacked by the hunter from below. So who can get closer to their young? A predator that comes from on top can get right up to the child, can get right up to, So therefore, what do they do instead? They clutch the baby in their, in their hands when they fly because it's the safer place for the child. But a nesher, what does a nesher do? A nesher, it doesn't have a predator from, uh, uh, from, on, uh, from on top. Right? It flies higher than everybody else. So where does it put the babies? It puts the babies on top. Where's the only thing, the only danger that comes to a nesha comes from where? Comes from a hunter's arrow from below. And on that says the nesha, so to speak, 
the, uh, the eagle or the vulture, whichever it is, better that the, the, uh, the arrow should enter into me than should enter in to anybody else. Now, it's so interesting. Why is Yaakov sending Esav a nesher, uh, an eagle? So, so kol babi yador means that Esav, he would put his hand out and the nesher would come. It's not babi yador of Yaakov. It was what was babi yador that came on the hand of Esav. Esav would walk around with, an, with this vulture eagle on his arm. By the way, which is amazing. You ever think of Esav like that pirate version? With the, you know, because he was a hunter. These birds could see, you know, unbelievable distances with their eyes. So, one would think it means that it was a good gift. And I don't, I don't buy that. Because you know what? If it was Babi Yado Esav, he's already got one. Well, now he's going to go with two, right? You know, you've never seen a pirate with two birds on his arm. Right? That doesn't work unless the birds, it doesn't mean actual birds, it means uh, women. That you might find with the pirate. But not, not two. Uh, so why is he sending him one? Why is he sending And the answer is, Rabotai, like everything else Yaakov was sending Esav, he was sending him a message. He knows that Esav is a hunter. He knows that he uses an eagle. He knows that he relates to the eagle in this way. And he was telling his brother, if you want to if you wanna visit you know, pain, you want to rain revenge on, on my house. He says, think of me like an eagle. Better that your, your arrow, mutav shachetz, yikanes bi, yikanes, let it not go into my children. Yaakov was putting himself, so to speak, in front of all of his kids and his wives and saying, please, if you have a problem, don't take it out on the family, take it out on me. What a beautiful message of self-sacrifice Yaakov is sending to his brother. But I think as well that there's another message um, that he was sending with this nesher, sending to his brother, to Esav, when he sent him the nesher. Now, I think the key to understanding it is actually, <clears throat> uh, is actually uh, uh, what's it called? A, a special in, an insight into this idea of babi yado. Why was Yaakov sending him something uh, that was Babi Adol, that was, that was Esav's. That, why was he sending him Esav's thing? And I think the concept over here was that Yaakov was trying to also say to Esav, listen, you're a hunter, you're a warrior, you, you, this is what your world, you know. I don't ever intend on stepping in on your toes, on your business plan, on your vision for the future. You, you've got yours, I, I've got mine, you know, I have my little family, I want to learn Torah, I want to do mitzvot. I, I'm, I don't ever want to step or to take away anything from what you have. And I think that there's something here which is uh, magnificent within that, within that uh, uh, point. You know, a lot of times, the challenge between two brothers, which is really we are learning from this parasha, the laws of interaction, the laws of conflict, the methods of interaction between, between brothers and sisters. And for most people, for most brothers and sisters, the biggest challenge in the world is when they feel that there's a lack of recognition of space, a lack of an understanding of what I bring and what, what is valuable and what is special about me. And in that instance, just the uh, uh, recognition that a person says or realizes that the one brother says, this is what you're very special at, you know, even just that, that statement that illustrates to somebody else that look, I know that this is what's great about you is enough sometimes to melt, uh, to melt the heart 
of a person of a person that's really upset with you. You know, God bless. We we come from a family in my family uh, where six boys and three girls. All right, you grow up with six boys in the house. You know, nine kids. You, it's very difficult to be heard. You know, you need to be, you need to shout. You need to yell. You need to you know. So everybody's got their everybody's got their projects, and there's no question. There's a competitive nature. Um, between brothers and sisters, they want everyone who want, you know, wants to illustrate that they're doing a good job, whether it's you know, as children or even when they get older in life. You, know? you see it sometimes when you're telling someone, someone asks you, like, you know, oh, what, you know, what are you getting up to? And you, know, you start to tell them some of the things you're getting up to. Like, the more successful you are, the more you notice the other person is trying to interrupt you and trying to tell you, as an example, what it is that they're getting up to. Now, that's a natural phenomenon. Because when people feel themselves equivalent, when they feel that they're the same or that they should be the same, someone else's success in a certain measure is also a direct statement of, uh, of it's a damning statement to me. If I come from the same house, if we are brothers, Yaakov and Esav, if we are brothers, when I hear from you, Yaakov says, Yesh li rav, I have a lot. What does Esav have to say? Yesh li kol. Everyone always translates this sentence as Yaakov saying, you know, Yaakov being very happy with his lot. I have, uh, I have a lot, excuse me. And, uh, and Esav saying, Yesh li rav, I have much, but you know, I have, I, have more, I have more to get out. But I think also that in Yaakov's case, Yaakov says, Yesh li kol, I have everything. It's true, it's true that he was, that he was being, uh, you know, grateful, 100%. That's Yaakov Sadiq. I think, though, when people like us have, an argue, have a statement like that, where one brother says, I have a lot, the other brother has to say, I have everything. One brother says, I got a raise, the other guy, I have two raises. You know? Oh, I convinced, uh, you know, I, I, I taught five people how to learn Torah, I taught ten people. Right? Where does that come from? It comes from, uh, with, deep within a person's self, within their psyche, you know, any success that someone who's very similar to them, and there's no one more similar to you than your brother because you grew up in the house. With someone else, like let's say someone else is successful, it doesn't, I don't feel inadequate because of their success, because in my head, my brain makes up all sorts of excuses. Oh, their parents were wealthier, they gave them a bigger head start. The guy went to a better university or yeshiva than me. Uh, what's it called? They had everything, that it, you know, I, they, he didn't, he, I, I had to work in order to also provide for my family. You know, this one, he, you know, he's, he's, he was, all his needs were taken care of. We have a lot of excuses as to why we've not succeeded in the way that they have. But when it's a brother that comes from the same address as you, same background, same gifts, same everything, same love in the house, same parental guidance, same role models. Suddenly, all those excuses are taken away, and you need to measure yourself against the other person. So Yaakov, what he's saying over here is, Yaakov says, look, I have a nesha, there's, a hunter. there's nothing I could do with this. Of course I'm going to give it to you. You're the master hunter in our family. You're the one who's capable of, you know, you're great at war, this is yours. Just allowing somebody in the family to have something, to let them feel that this is the best thing that I do. And you know what? The irony is not to do it in a, in a method or a mode of manipulation or trying to achieve an outcome. It's actually true. You know, I'll give you an example. Again, I was mentioning my family. So I'm a rabbi of a synagogue. You have another rabbi, another brother who's a principal of a school, you know. Could I ever be a principal of a school? I'm sure I couldn't. 
You know, all the different things he's got, juggling a thousand balls at the same time, you know, everything going on, it's unbelievable. Then I have another brother, Yishtabach Shemo in Israel. He, you know, he's a life coach and he helps people learn how to read and get people with all sorts of problems. It's unbelievable. He's got that and he's got the patience and he reads, you know, speed reads his way through a zillion books, you know, to be able to understand how to, how to work with people. Another brother who sings beautifully at every chatuna. Another brother who's studying, you know, who's Bezat Hashem going to law school. Every one of the brothers is doing something else and allowing, allowing each of those brothers to feel it, it's... It's such a genuine thing when you can make, when people in your immediate circle can realize that not only, you know, you're successful, and they're successful, and the success that they have, maybe you could never do. If a person can feel like they have that space, and I think as well, like uh, Yaakov's message wasn't just that, here, this is for you because you're good at this. And it wasn't just, you know, and if you have a problem, take it up with me. But there's one last, uh, I think, message, which I think is, uh, is very, very beautiful. The power of the nesher, as we said, its, its ability to hunt is in its long-term view. Yaakov also gave Esav a, a, a message. And he said to him, you know, if you fight with me, if you attack me, you might kill me. You might, you know, something might happen. But ultimately, in the fullness of time, uh, Am Yisrael is going gonna, is gonna to be able to, to outlive it. So if you want to engage in that war, no problem. But just know, when you're looking in the long term, the long term view, I'm going to survive whatever you throw at me. So can we not waste this time? Can we not have this fight? You know, ultimately, I'm going to get there. Ultimately, like Yaakov says, I travel very slow. You're going to get there first. You're going to have your kingdoms. You're going to have your kings. I'm not going to get there in the same speed as you. But, uh, but ultimately, when I travel slowly, you know, with my children, with the sheep, if I push them too much, all of the young will die. But I'm going to go at my pace, Ad, until we reach Har Seir, until we reach that place, until the coming of Mashiach. Rabotai, uh, a lot of times, a lot of times we, uh, we allow in these conflicts in family, we allow a very short-term approach to define how we want it. He said that to me, I can't believe it. I can't let him get away with it. You know what, bottom line, bottom line, it's not gonna kill you, you know? And uh, the irony is that what we say oftentimes, when each person is staking out their claim and they're saying things, they don't even mean, they just, they're just trying to kind of protect their, you know, their little zone and their little space and their little dignity, you know? But then you get involved and you answer back and you say something also that you don't really want to say. You know, that's a very short-term view on, on the conflict. And Be'ezrat Hashem, when we're zocher to, uh, to have this long-term view with family, ultimately, you know, uh, ultimately you get there. There's a, uh, uh, um, there's, a, there's a challenge, no question. You know, the ones that we love the most are the ones that definitely are the most challenging. They're the ones also that know how to cut us the deepest, you know, with their line, with their, with their look. You know, with you know, you say, "What are you looking at me like that?" No, only a brother or you know, family could understand and interpret your looks in that way. But um, but ultimately, when we think like a nesher, when we think of what's going to be down the long term, then we're capable of acting in a, in a much better way. It's only because Yaakov is in the mindset of nesher that he's able to come to his brother bowing to him, whatever you need right now. Ultimately, I know that I'm going to get to where I need to go. I know that ultimately the is not going to be to you, it's going to be to Bore Olam. 
uh, for, for all in, you know, in the fullness of time. May Hashem bless us Be'ezrat Hashem with the patience. May He bless us with the humility. May He bless us Be'ezrat Hashem also with the wisdom and as to how to respond in those critical moments, those moments where everything is on the line, the future of your family uh, um, and of the relationships between you and the people who could and should uh, love you the most. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Charen Yamin